Welcome to the first episode discussing AP US history. Uh, today we'll be discussing uh, Brinkley Chapter 11, um, which in many ways sets up the Civil War. It's the prerequisite uh, to the Civil War, and a lot of the chapter, or pretty much the entire chapter, discusses the differences between slave owners and uh, the slaves themselves, and it sets up this conflict between the North and the South, which is going to become very present um, both throughout the Civil War and throughout the rest of American history, uh, because the dividing line between the industrial power of the North and the agricultural sectors of the South continue to influence our social and political and economic reforms and decisions throughout this country, uh, even in 2021 and likely in the future. Uh, so Brinkley Alun um, starts the chapter by discussing the differences between the North and the South. Uh, the North has a lot of agriculture, uh, specifically cotton, um, which a lot of slave owners and uh, representatives from the South uh, describe it as king cotton because cotton is such a large industrial or large agricultural export of America at this time, even rivaling even rivaling um, other countries like the Ottoman Empire and, and India, which um, today produce quite a lot of cotton, and even back then produced a lot of cotton. Um, there's a lot of differences between the North and the South socially. Um, there are things like the Fugitive Slave Act and stances on things like Bleeding Kansas, the Missouri Compromise, and really just... Um, the differences in manifest destiny. Uh, no, the North wants to manifest um, westward to spread democracy, to spread capitalism, and to spread um, the industrial might of the United States, whereas the South want to spread uh, westward for slaves and more land for them to cultivate um, more crops. So in that way, um, Right away, we have a dividing line between the North and the South, which is going to explode um, by Brinkley, uh, probably Brinkley 13, I think, or Brinkley 14, my bad. Um, there's a lot of slave codes. Uh, specific ones say things like uh, slaves can't own guns, which, as we know, is the Second Amendment right. Uh, slaves uh, pretty much don't have freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to organize, which are all First Amendment rights. Um, they can't own really any property. They can't um, speak out against someone in court. They can't testify for someone in court. Uh, they can't, or Specifically, they can't testify against a white man in court. And uh, perhaps worst of all, uh, they have no uh, liberties or freedoms in their own rights. So they can't legally marriage. They pretty much have no rights um, sexually. Um, sexual assault is very prevalent, of course, um, and sexual abuse is unfortunately um, a fact of life for these black slaves. Um, these conditions between slave owner and slave, um, and yeah, slave owner and slave are coming to a head at this time. Um, a lot of people are either freeing their slaves because they disagree with it, or they're freeing their slaves in, slaves in death. Um, however, this action has freed about 250 slaves at this point, most of them living in like the Upper South, so Virginia and Maryland, which 
is leading to a lot of free black people who are speaking out against slavery and they're um, freaking out or speaking out against uh, their conditions that they went through, which is obviously hurting the image of the South. And it, uh, in response, a lot of slave um, states begin making it harder for you to free your slaves or basically impossible uh, for you to free your slaves either when you die, so in your will, or just in general, um, freeing your slaves. And I think this all boils over best with things like uh, Turner and Vesey, who organize uh, black slaves to riot, to protest, uh, to kill, to, um, you know, basically uh, promote insurrection against these slave states who are basically holding them captive and holding them against their will uh, and giving them no rights in what these representatives call a free country. Um, unfortunately, all these people end up dying. They're executed by the state or they're, you know, found guilty in court. Uh, so they end up dying, which is unfortunate that uh, these small little protests have very little legal or political um, influence or some grand conclusion. Uh, but as we're about to see later throughout history, it's going to take a lot more than a hundred people rising up and fighting um, against white suppressors in the South. Um, and so really this whole chapter is about slave owner versus slave and their relationship with each other. Some slave owners were uh, had a positive relationship. Uh, their farms and plantations were personal. Um, they were kind of small, so they had more of a, a personal or humane connection with their slaves, but it still wasn't um, exactly great. Um, and then you, of course, have the most violent examples, the most cruel examples of massive slave plantations where people are dying and no one's being held accountable for the... Um, completely horrendous acts uh, going on inside these courts or inside these plantations, which is unfortunate. Um, but really, it doesn't matter whether or not these slave owners saw themselves as having a completely humane, logical reason for having these slaves, or if they were cruel and cruel just for the sake of being cruel to these people. At the end of the day, both of these groups are holding their slaves hostage, they're holding their slaves' rights hostage, they're holding the humanity of the slaves hostage, and slaves are basically subhuman in their minds. So these slaves are finding it difficult for them to empathize with them, no matter what their relationship is like uh, with their slave owners. So it's really not going to make a difference later on um, when they want to fight for their political freedoms, when they want to fight for their economic freedoms, when they want to fight for their American freedoms, which were granted to white people pretty much the moment this country was independent, but as we've seen, is going to take at least a few hundred years until black people can truly step into the light of being free, being uh, having rights, having 
constitutional protections. Um, and so in summary, Brinkley, uh, Brinkley 11 is a lot of setting up the Civil War. It's setting up the divide between the North and the South. It's setting up the divide between slave owner and slave. Um, and it's setting up the division between agricultural or agriculture in the South. And it's setting up the the industrial might of the North, which is going to put these two North and South battles uh, directly opposed to each other as both of them try and step away from each other, trying to distance themselves from either slavery in the case of the North or distance um, the, or in the case of the South, distance themselves uh, and try and become more independent from the North's um, industrial might. Um, and this separation is just pulling them further apart, and it's going to end up killing nearly 600,000 people. Um, so clearly, Brinkley 11 is not the happiest in the world, and it's definitely not uh, going to get much better from here through Brinkley 12 to 14, um, and especially past that, uh, as we see things like Jim Crow laws, um, and we see things like the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, clearly, the clearly Brinkley 12's uh, polar opposites between many things are still influencing American history to this day, and they're still influencing how we see the world and how we uh, see the two races between white and black and the struggle for power between both of them at this time and in the 1860s and the divide between the two parties. So this has been Brinkley 11. Thank you for coming. Goodbye.